everyone. Before we get started, we wanted to let you know about our venue consulting. We have broken up our offerings into four distinct needs, design, sales and client experience, marketing, and those all important SOPs. You can take advantage of one or all of these tricky spots for your venue. If you want to learn more and get a few more details, head on over to hustleandgather.com to see how we can work together and reach your venue goals. All right, let's get to today's show. I love hearing other generational stories yes. like that about yes. women in those times. And I think it's very empowering. It's very brave. Because she did have it all. Because she said, basically, fuck that. Like, I'm yeah. going to have it all. Like, I'm not going to choose. I'm going to be a mom. Yeah. I'm going to raise my kid in this world. I'm going to be a badass entrepreneur. Yeah. That's a long time yeah. to have a successful business wow. that stayed relevant over 43 years. Welcome to Hustle and Gather, a podcast about inspiring the everyday entrepreneur to take the leap. I'm Courtney. And I'm Dana. And we're two sisters who have started multiple businesses together. And yes, it's as messy as you think. We know that starting a business isn't easy. We've done it four times. And on this show, we talk about the ups and downs of the hustle and the reward at the end of the journey. And we love helping small businesses succeed, whether that is through our venue consulting, speaking, team training. We love to motivate others to take that big leap. Or you could just use our misadventures to normalize the crazy that is being an entrepreneur because every entrepreneur makes mistakes. But we like to call those unsuccessful attempts around here. And we know it's just part of the process. And today we're talking just the two of us about last week's episode with Judy Pickett and Hilaire Pickett-Martin, founders of Design Line Signature, a Raleigh, North Carolina-based interior design firm. If you haven't heard last week's episode, go give it a listen and come back to hear our thoughts. All right, let's get started. I love talking to a mother-daughter duo. That's fun. I hope I'm like that good of a friend as my daughter. I know. They seem very close. They do seem very close. They didn't have any like mom-daughter drama. No. Yeah. I loved how she talked about like she knew nothing different. How Hilaire talked about she knew nothing different because she always grew up with entrepreneur around her. And I really loved, you know, listening to Judy tell that story. And she was like, I... that was, there was no negative effect on that and probably how much she, Judy has carried that around mm-hmm. and like how much guilt she had for this. And I'm sure there was other instances where, you know, she had mom guilt with and how that didn't translate to Hilaire's opinion of her mother or opinion of the business at all. And it makes me think, what am I freaking out over mm-hmm. that I'm doing that my kids are going to give two shits about? I think it's funny that Hilaire's never heard that story. Yeah. But she just heard it today. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe she was embarrassed by it or, or like just... Maybe she still felt guilty about yeah. it. I, was, I mean, I've definitely been in a very similar situation where my kid's super sick and I chose work over being home with my sick kid. I remember thinking when I was driving to a wedding in the middle of, I think it was Hurricane Matthew. It was Hurricane Matthew. Yeah. And there was like trees going across I-40 and I'm like trying to get to downtown Raleigh so I can facilitate this person's wedding that we probably made like $2,000 on. And I remember thinking, my children aren't going to have a mother raised just by their father because I'm driving to a wedding like at that moment it just seemed so like trite and trivial like what am I doing Mm -hmm. why am I putting my life at risk for this right Right. now but then I didn't see any other option like it was literally not an option right it's so I one of the things was like do you have like one of your worst mom moments and I just don't even think I have a moment (laughs) I feel like I have years (laughs) I know I have like weeks days like but it's not like I can look at it and say okay this was like I brought my sick kid to work or whatever I I still to this day it's probably like Henry's first year of life like I don't remember any of it I don't remember a single solitary thing of it because we were just so inundated with like 
getting Bradford off the ground and well, we're just like in the pre-process of it. We were like, we I closed, we, the, we got approved the day he was born and then we closed on the loan. He was two and a half weeks old for yeah. the land. And that whole year was just like, we did a bazillion weddings to help pay for it to like create the down, down payment on like, like to approve for the loan or whatever. And then we were like going through all the process of that. So it was like one of our busiest years too. It was like the year we had like 35 weddings at that point, which seems crazy that that was busy for us, but yeah. Yeah. And then like, and then his year two to three or yeah, two to three, I don't remember at all because we were building the Bradford. Yeah. And I think that's for you. I think it's like sad for you that, you know, we don't have those memories or whatnot, but, but at the same time, yeah. If there was any point in your child's life that you were going to be MIA in yeah. some capacity, yeah. I think we could all agree that it would be better to have it younger because like, you're oh, so much no. more present now. I totally agree. I, I think for Henry, he's he has no recollection of it at no. all. But yeah. him being my last baby, it's it was very sad because I didn't really get to like yeah. savor that. Like I didn't really get to like relish in that. And I knew that he was my last baby. Like yeah. I knew I wasn't going to have another one. And I, and I knew what I was getting into with Henry. So his baby life was actually a lot easier because I had the right expectations yeah. for what it should be like. You know, with Ada, my expectations were crazy high. I mean, I think that we were like pretty kick-ass moms at that point. Like yeah. we kept everybody alive. We had mm -hmm. very minimal emergency room visits. It's true. Very minimal. And we put out so much. The kids loved it. Like yeah. they had nothing but positive thoughts about, you know, rolling picnics and lows and right. like painting the house naked outside yeah. and like playing, like it was magical literally like for magical for them, for them yeah. you know, and it was hard for us. Mm -hmm. So I don't feel like it was bad momming or bad parenting. I think it's more mom guilt isn't about the effects of the children or like how they feel about her or they, cause like kids know what they know. Right. You know what no, I mean? No. And I think that but it's was about your expectations totally. of what you're going to look like as a mother. And I felt like that was really reassuring. Though. I really loved hearing Hilaire talk about her experience because it wasn't a negative experience. Mm -hmm. It was a great and it was empowering and it was positive. And, and I really, really, really love that. And it made me really think, and I, and I've thought this too about any person on, especially female entrepreneur that opened their business, you know, in she said 79, 80s, 90s, whatever, like how much pressure that was, I like know. how much less understanding. And and I really like when she talked about how the clients didn't, the clients were the ones that pushed back. It wasn't her husband. It wasn't her kid. It wasn't her friends. It was the clients that were like, this is unacceptable. Like if you want, if you want this career, you are career. Like they didn't want to see her as a mother, as a human and how much that has changed. And as much as we hate social media and we hate how much access we have to like everything, do you think that's, that's why it's now everyone's human in everybody's eyes now? I totally think that. I mean, I think it's everyone's putting their life on display. You know, obviously we say it's the highlight reel, but it's on display. And I think that, you know, some of those myths are being busted. And I and I, I don't I do believe that you can have it all. I mean, I just don't think you can have it all all the time. Like you're mm -hmm. going to fail at something. Right. It's never going to be 50 50. It's going to be right. 40, 60, 30, 70. Mm -hmm. But it's really interesting because we grew up in the 80s and 90s. And I remember some of our my mom's friends kind of going through like in the 90s like late 90s uh like identity crisis mm -hmm. like they'd been stay-at-home moms or mm -hmm. they would just been solely working or 
whatever. And there was like this huge like identity crisis as to like who they were, like mm-hmm. once their kids grew up. And I remember, I remember even recently having a conversation with our aunt about this. Mm. And she was basically telling me that society always told her that all she ever was, was a mother. Like her usefulness was only ever mm-hmm. in, in relation to like how she parented and blah, 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 blah. And like all these things. And basically that she had done everything right as to how she was taught. And she never felt like she could do mm-hmm. all the things. Do you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? It was a really weird conversation in the middle of it, but it wasn't like regret. I wouldn't but say it was like, regret, but, but it was. She's in her 60s, right? She's in her 60s. No, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, but I think that's very true. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. I think, and I, and I still think that there's going to be a huge uh, women our age when they're in their 50s and 60s are going to go through identity crisis because. I think that now to be a mom, like we joke, oh, like, oh, I won mom of the year for like, you know, being a terrible mother or making mistakes or whatever. But there is also this society of super moms who do all the things. I don't understand them. They celebrate all the holidays. They're the, they're the soccer mom. They're the room mom. And to me, when those women have kids that are no longer in their house, like who are they? Because they have, they have built their entire life around their children and I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just yeah. saying I think that there is going to still be that same situation because I think that there are some people who, when they start a phase of their life, they give it 150, 200 mm-hmm. percent, you know, and and they throw themselves into it. And I and I think that a lot of times it's either because they had an amazing mother or because they had a terrible mother, right? Yeah. And so they want to do quite the opposite. And they raise great kids and they have great memories and great experiences, but at the same time they lose who they are. Yeah. Along the way. Yeah. And I think it's really easy to do that. And so yeah. I still, I don't, I don't think that's any different from. Like in the eighties or nineties. I don't think it'd be any different than like what our aunt went through. But I think the difference is, is that maybe they're not hearing it from society. Right. Maybe yeah. they're not hearing like, oh, you can only do this. It Maybe it's more of a choice. Mm-hmm. And I think that is true. So I took this gender studies class in, in college and I had to interview people from different generations. And I interviewed my mom actually. And they were taught in the eighties that they could have it all. Mm-hmm. It was that they had a choice. Yeah. And whereas like you had to pick the side, but, but prior to there wasn't even a choice. Right. And so what she found is that she, she there's still a good number of people who her age that had kids at her age young, mm-hmm. but there was also really large people that waited until they were much older yeah. by, you know, previous society standards. Cause Previously, you'd have a baby before you were 30. Yeah. And you had lots of babies before you were 30. And she was seeing more of her classmates wait until they're 30 because they were, they were choosing that career first. Mm-hmm. And they would do the career for 12, 15 years. And then they would stop the career and be a mom mm-hmm. and do that. But they wanted they wanted that career first. And but it wasn't that like no one said you could have it all. They just said, but now you have a choice whether you yeah. want to be a parent or you want to be a career person. And she's like, and there was always these people that tried to have it all and they just got chastised like any like, like celebrity or whatever. Right. They mm-hmm. were just always got pushed back on because they, there's no way like, like, Oh, there's no way you could do that. Which is interesting. Cause not like fathers ever went through that. Yeah, I know. Like you can't be, a, you could be a father and have a career, like pick one. <laughs> <laughs> what? I love hearing other generational stories yes. like that about yes. women in those times and, yeah, I thought. I think it's very empowering. It's very brave. Because she did have it all. 
She did. She did. Yeah. So she said basically, fuck that. Like, I'm yeah. going to have it all. Like, I'm not going to choose. I'm going to be a mom. Yeah. I'm going to raise my kid in this world. I'm going to be a badass entrepreneur. Yeah. I'm going to, I mean, think about it. That How old is that business? It started in 79. What is that? That's 40, 40 years. 43 years. 43. That's a long time. That's a long time yeah. to have a successful business wow. that stayed relevant over 43 years. Are we going to be in business in like 30 years? Oh, that's another podcast question. <laughs> but wow. Can't even imagine. Honestly, what do you think? But I let's kind of go segue into that. Like, what do you think made her so successful? One, she was she's so calm, so calm. Yeah, she seems very unflappable. Yeah, and even when you asked for the oh shit moment, I'm sure there actually were moments, but to her, maybe just it wasn't an oh shit moment. She was like, "We can solve this. It's fine," because she was so calm. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe you don't have oh shit moments if you're like total zen. I do think, though, when you've been in business for that long, and I'm sure there were, like, moments that mm-hmm. it was, like, dicey and lean and hard that you can look back and think that they're really, even though it felt like a low at that time, like, all things are working together to get you to where you're at. Right. Like, I can look back on some aspects of her business that felt like oh shit moments at the time, but then were, like, the biggest blessing. Like, mm-hmm. thank God the universe pointed mm-hmm. us in that direction because mm-hmm. we would have made a bad decision. Right, right, right. You know? So maybe it's just when you look back after at a 40 plus year career, mm-hmm. it's like, all right, well, then yeah. obviously you're still here. Your business is still successful. So right. nothing could have been that detrimental. Right, right, right. You know, we've failed at some things and it's just not that scary anymore. No, it's not. Yeah. No. And and I think it's, we say that, but we haven't failed miserably. Fin- we haven't failed with large amounts of finances. Right. So yeah. that to me is a scary fail. It's the financial part. We have failed financially in some ways, yeah. certainly. We have but made bad decisions financially. We have financially. made bad business yeah, decisions. Absolutely. We have invested money in the wrong things, certainly. But it hasn't been like detrimental. Yeah. Financially detrimental. Yeah. Like we haven't failed that hard. Yeah. I mean, I think you still have to, you can't go in on something and not use your common sense. Like I right. think we're very full of common sense. But to be able to try something, to be able to risk something, to be able to have the mm-hmm. confidence, to be able to like take that step, mm-hmm. I think is key because that's the only way that you have huge successes. Right, right. And I loved how she said that she kind of started, they were in different lanes and it was this very small lane because social media and marketing wasn't a right. thing for her, you know, mm-hmm. and it became a very, very wide part of her company. Yeah. Like how valuable how much she, she allowed made herself. Her, how much she allowed her to grow. I love that. Too. Yeah. Because can you imagine, I think a lot of with mother-daughter relationships, you would, the, I would assume that the mom would kind of take over that overpowering, I'm the mom, listen to me. And I, and it, I mean, totally, like I've been doing this for 30 years. Who the hell are you? Like yeah. listen to what I have to say. Yeah. And like for her to be able to really trust and respect her enough to say like, here's my opinion, but yeah. I ultimately trust you to make the right choices here. And I don't know. I think that speaks volumes to the relationship. Yeah. I think it's also really helpful to walk into a partnership in a healthy business. Oh, yeah, like too. if you're already yeah. like in a healthy spot, right. I think that it. Well, it's, it's automatic respect too. I mean, I'm sure Hilaire yeah. had automatic respect for her mother saying like, oh my God, you've grown this thing yeah. and it's amazing. Right. right. Being in an unhealthy, fun, like having that stress yeah. on top of like having the family dynamic and yeah, all of those much. things. It's a lot. Yeah. I thought it was interesting that her friend had to point it out to her. I know. I know. Yeah. Like it wasn't even a thing. I, I thought for sure she was going to say she went to school for interior design. I know. The way she said it when she was footsteps. a kid. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. I love how like readily when I said, did you ever rebel against it? Judy was like, absolutely. <laughs> yes. Yes, she did. 
Because all the kids do. I know. So I remember do. thinking that. I remember thinking, like, I don't ever want to be like my, like, I don't want to do what you do. No. No. And, like, and I even, like, even down to the fact, like, I always think about, like, when Ada or Henry gets married, I, there everyone's like, are they going to marry at the Bradford? And I was like, absolutely not. We're going to go elope. Mm-hmm. Like, we're not getting married in this industry. <laughs> That's right. We're not. <laughs> not doing it. That's right. And they're like, is that what they want? I don't know. It's what they want. <laughs> well, we're going to Hawaii. That's what we're doing. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I think there is something about that that's just like, they get, you just get tired of, I don't know, you just want to think outside the box. I don't know. But I, I thought also to, to me, what helped stand the test of time with her is I loved her statement about how stories don't really change. And so they were talking about their clients, mm-hmm. like how like certain like trends change or, yeah. you know, maybe a need changes, but the stories of who they are and what they're looking for doesn't really change. And I find that so true in any business. Like, yeah interior design yes weddings like stories don't change Mm -hmm. you know and I think in anything like whether you're like an engineer or own a restaurant or whatever people's stories they just they really don't change and I think that's so interesting it kind of that same vein where she says stories don't change they call themselves lifestyle advocates right and like I think in a lifestyle cycle, you go through the same stories. Like right. you go through that kind of like mm-hmm. young getting started, or maybe you're the professional. Now you're mm-hmm. a parent. Now you're got grandkids, which you mm-hmm. have different needs. Now maybe you're an aging elderly person. Right. And it's like the same like cycle. Right. Everyone has that similar story. And I'm sure there's like different nuances, obviously, to everybody's story. Sure. But to be able to like listen to that client and make something that's authentic to them, like because you've seen this story play out. I right. think it's really helpful. But don't you think like when you're in, and I think that's true for a lot of like hospitality client facing mm-hmm. jobs, yeah. like do you realize that? And don't you think it makes you a more compassionate person? Because what I've realized is at the core of who we are, we're all the same because we all have the same, we all have the same cycle, the same story, the same wants, the same desires. And, you know, sometimes I feel like social media and like society and the world once saying like, oh no, we're all different. And like, but really, we're really not all different. Like we all are the same. Yeah, I know. We spoke about that a little bit with Billy Warden. Yeah. And it reminds me of that, how yeah. when he writes these stories, like p- picking out the humanity and how yes. similar we all are, but maybe like express it a little bit differently. And while you're going through something or moving through your day, there's like these billions of people simultaneously doing yes. the exact same thing. Yes. You know? Yeah. And it's but similar. I, but I think it's, I think sometimes like when you are in a job where you're not exposed to that many different mm-hmm. people and you don't have to work with different people, you forget that. Yeah. Like you, like, or you, or you don't realize it or you don't know it. And I think it's one of those things where everyone's always said, oh, you should always work in hospital. Everyone should have a hospitality job at some point. And I do think that's true because I think it does allow you to recognize that fact that yeah. everyone's really the same. Yeah. I think the other thing I really love too, and I think also is something I think that we, Build, built our business on um, and I think it also helps stand the test of time is when she talks about when she does something and she was talking specifically about design like the design has to be authentic has to be honest and it has to be real mm-hmm. like it can't you're not going to go into somebody's house and make it you know not practical and so far off to who they are that someone's going to walk in and be like is like whose house is this right I don't know who designed the Kardashians house 
you know, I don't know, but <laughs> I, I, but that's, that's a really good point. I mean, that's probably not who they are. Yeah. It is not, it's just, it's just a reflection of what's, what looks expensive. Maybe that is who they are. Mm-hmm. It looks fake again. Maybe that is who they are. Right. It's like a mausoleum. I know, but I, I really love that. And I think that's just like a great piece of advice in general, no matter however you do business, whatever product you're selling, whatever you are doing as an entrepreneur, you do it in a way that's authentic, that's honest, and that's real. Whether mm-hmm. whether you're creating something, whether you're creating that relationship with somebody, or you know, whether it's a service based thing, you know. And I I don't know. I I feel like that's such a core value of ours is yeah. authenticity and honesty. Absolutely. Um, but I love that. And I loved her. Just I could totally visualize her saying like, "There's this heirloom, and you're just that's the real thing, and mm-hmm. then everything else around it is is built around it." Yeah, I think that's a great approach to design. In general. In general. Yeah. Yeah. I tend to think that if we weren't in the events industry that we could be designers. Maybe. I really do think that. I get I I was really curious about like her inspiration because mm-hmm. I get stuck in inspiration. I get stuck and then we'll go somewhere like really yeah. amazing, you know, and be like a you and it could be local too. It could just be like a really well designed restaurant or a bar or an amazing Caribbean place, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I feel totally inspired. Like, yeah. like I love those colors or I love that aesthetic. And I, we take that back to our events. But mm-hmm. I mean, also your house, you know. Right. But you you do have a very consistent design aesthetic mm-hmm. <laughs> in your house. I do. I do. Yeah. It's very Dana. Uh, is- very like mid-century modern but with some farmhouse vibes. With some farmhouse vibes. Yeah. 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 It's like Mid-century Chip and Joanna. <laughs> yeah, I, I like clean lines. Yeah, um, I don't like too much clutter, but I'm also extremely nostalgic. Yes, you have so much stuff. So I love things that have meaning to them, and everything has a story. Like if it's if it's displayed in my house, there is a story behind yeah. it, and there's a reason why it's there. Before we end, let's go over our fuck up of the week. Yeah. Okay. Why don't you share first? <laughs> That's dirty. <laughs> This is going to sound really weird, but I I feel like this week I've let a lot of projects have been finished. So like, or they were finished last week. So I think for me, it's, I don't know how to be not busy. I believe that about you. And I'm like, all of a sudden I have this time and it's really gives me a lot of anxiety. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'm missing something. Am I forgetting something? And then it's like, okay, I could do this. I'm like, but I don't really want to do that. Or before it wasn't an option. I was like, I have time to do this. You just got to do it. So now it's like almost I've been procrastinating things, like grading papers. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm like, oh, I have time because I don't do all this other shit. Yeah, like you're almost more productive or more efficient when you have oh, yeah. not enough time. Right. But I would charge you to not start hyper-focusing on anything. Oh, no. Don't I, do it. I haven't. But I, I like I, I'm, I think I'm still coming down from like the overwhelm that like mm-hmm. I haven't done that. But I do feel like it's a great time to take a pause and say, okay, this is like what I like want to do and how I really want to structure the rest of, you know, these next three months, this next quarter. Because I don't believe in structuring my full year because it doesn't work out that way. But like, how do I want these next three months to go? Yeah, that's good. And figure that out. I'd say my fuck up of the week is allowing things to just kind of like pile up to like a Mm -hmm. point here. And I'll do an easy one. For example, we have two cars now that are out of registration. Oh, you personally? Personally. Oh, yeah. Yes. Sucks. So the two that need to get, like, they were both, like, January, February. Oh, so you have to, like, go to the DMV. They go to and get the thing. No, no. 
I'm going to go to the DMV. Uh, we have to go get it inspected and like oh, get the yeah. taxes done and like not have the time to like do it at all. Yeah. So like when all those little things kind mm-hmm. of like add up, I'm like, if I could have just like taken care of that, like one in December and one in January and one in whatever. Yeah. I was really diligent about it for years, mm-hmm. like two years now of getting it on time. And I just feel like I've just failed. Like it's all just kind of like crept up on me. I know you guys don't feel the same. You just yeah. leave it out of registration until they so take you your to get- license plate away. <laughs> but that is not the case for me. So I feel like I'm like so behind on like all the personal paper stuff. But like what we did is this last time they were all out at the same time. So we all got them inspected and then they got all new tags at the same time. So now they're due the same month, which is actually super helpful. Yeah. Because it's not, you just like, it's one Band-Aid. Yeah. Like, just do it all at once. Yeah. So this, maybe that'll happen this time. It's just like one of those things. Like I need to start just taking yeah. stuff off the mental plate. Yeah. But I like have not found the time to go and get it done. Right. Thanks, everyone, for gathering with us today to talk about The Hustle. For our episode with Judy and Hilaire, we are drinking a peach margarita. We hope you'll get the chance to make it this week, and cheers to releasing that mom guilt. To learn more and connect with Judy and Hilaire, you can find Design Line Signature on Instagram, at Design Line Signature. You can also see their work and learn more by visiting their website, designlinesltd.com. And to learn more about our hustles, visit us on the gram at CD Events, at the Bradford and C, and at Hustle and Gather. If you're interested in learning more about our speaking, training, or venue consulting, head to our website at hustleandgather.com. Also, if you love us and love this show, we would be more than honored if you left us a rating and a review. This podcast is a production of Earfluence. I'm Dana. And I'm Courtney. And we'll talk to you next time on Hustle and Gather.